0: Hello everyone, we would like to welcome you to our new episode of the Ranker Project Podcast, the world of fan selection.
1: During the pandemic, it's not that we haven't onboarded managers, but we have onboarded less managers basically, because we were spending more time uh, really monitoring the managers that we have, how they were coping with this new situation, uh, and how they were uh, positioning their portfolio given the circumstances. So...
0: My name is Carla Solera, and I am the investor relations specialist here at Rankia Pro Europe. Today, we are going to talk about the evolution of fund selection during the last decade with Musi Kitani, managing director at our Big Tech Group. Hello, Musi. How are you? How is everything going in Switzerland?
1: Hi, Carla. Uh, I'm fine. Thank you very much. Everything is uh, fine. Uh, busy times, of course. Uh, but everything is fine on my personal side in Geneva. It's sunny today.
0: Um, Well, Musi, first of all, I would like to to thank you for for being here. We're so happy to to count on you, so yeah, welcome. Um, Thank you for having me. (laughs) Thanks to you. Um, Musi leads a 10 member fund manager selection team, and managers across asset classes for Pictet wealth management globally. Musi, please uh, feel free to add anything about your background so our listeners can get to know you much better.
1: Hey, so yeah, my name is Musi Kidan, I, I live um, in Geneva, Switzerland with my uh, my wife and two kids. I have been at PICTE for the last almost 16 years now, um, and I joined um, uh, the firm to set up really the the manager selection business on the traditional fan site. Um, and over the years, uh, the team has grown, today we are um, 10 analyst uh, working on the team covering most asset classes globally um we uh, we sit at the private banking uh, the, the wealth management business of the bank and we cater to uh, the wealth management clients uh globally uh, with our uh, with our okay. selection we are part of the investment platform at Pictet Wealth Management which are this is the entity that's responsible for managing clients' assets, both uh, discretionary and advisory assets. Mm
0: -hmm. Thank you. Thank you, Musi, for for sharing uh, a bit of your life. So, well, I would like to start this conversation by highlighting probably two of the most important components and events in recent years, the pandemic and ESG. The pandemic has caused huge economic consequences, but what kind of adjustments have you made in your selection process due to COVID-19? Are you going to change your portfolios permanently due to the possibility of another pandemic, economic crisis, etc.?
1: Yeah, it's it's a very good question. So, uh, before I answer maybe this question, I will give you um, a brief overview of uh, how we put. Uh, manager selection here here at Pictet. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, our uh, our selection tool or our approach is really to create a toolbox um, that's uh, necessary and useful for um, really uh, managing our clients' portfolio in line with the uh, tactical, uh, well, well, strategic, uh, strategic and tactical asset allocation decisions that are made by our uh, our investment committee so we work hand in hand with our investment committee uh, and whatever managers or fans that we select um, have direct relation to what we how we see the world how we are positioned and so on so in a way um, uh, this is uh, uh, really uh, uh, our approach and it hasn't changed Uh, over the years and it continues to be so. However, the way we implemented it and the way we go around doing that business has changed due to the pandemic. Uh, For once, we were not able to work all together from the same firm, so we have to use technology to do so. Uh, And the same same thing goes with the uh, relationship that we have with the managers, basically. We have been doing over the last couple of years more virtual meetings rather than face-to-face meetings which we like and we we appreciate but it was due to the circumstances we had to change also our approach into that uh, in that sense so in a way it hasn't changed the way we look at things and the way we do things but uh, the way we go about implementing those things have changed and we are using more and more technology and remote uh, communication tools today than five years ago maybe.
0: Thank you, Missy. Um, But have you changed the way to review
1: prospects? No, I I wouldn't say we have changed. We we haven't changed from that perspective. Basically, what we look for managers is simply that we, uh, first and foremost, as I said before, our selection um, uh, is a a toolbox. So we make sure that we have the right products for the right use in that toolbox. Mm -hmm. And that hasn't changed. And it won't change basically. Um, but what we have probably done less over the last couple of years is to onboard new managers. Because again, one of the things that we uh, we we value is simply, we don't just select numbers, uh, find simply on the, on the latest numbers available. We want to know the people behind it. What do they do? How do they do it? If there's something that in what they do that gives them an edge. So it takes time. So basically, uh, we rarely invest in a manager that we just have met. It's oftentimes we have we have multiple meet, meetings with them uh, in Geneva, in their premises and so on. Uh, so this takes some time to get to know them, to understand what they do and how they do it. Um, and this was probably uh, uh, not possible or at least not possible the way used, we used to do. Uh, during the pandemic, so uh, during the pandemic, it's not that we haven't onboarded managers, but we have onboarded less managers basically because we were spending more time uh, really monitoring the managers that we have, how they were coping with this new situation, uh, and how they were uh, positioning their portfolio given the circumstances. So uh, that's probably what what has changed uh, um, the change that I can I can think mm-hmm. of.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so after all that we have covered, would um, you like to probably tell the listeners uh, which aspects do you, do you consider most important when selecting funds for a portfolio? Uh,
1: yeah, um, that's probably a, 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 an important point to to uh, when we talk about the process. So as I said before, uh, we uh, we like to take our time to understand Mm -hmm. and really capture the essence of a given strategy. So uh, for us, it's knowing the strategy, but also the people executing it. It's very important. uh, What are the motivations of these people? What's their experience in the asset class? Have they gone through different market conditions? And how did, how did, how did they cope with it? Um, Yeah. So beyond the numbers, it's very important for us to understand how People do what they do. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, and uh, so, so basically, if I have to give a uh, few criterias into what we look in, in in a given fund manager, first and foremost, we want we we, we want to invest with people that are experienced in what they do. They have long and, and multi cycle experience in the asset class that they cover, mm-hmm. um, and especially we like managers that have. Gone through tough times and have navigated those uh, successfully. So that's very much important. And then it's also to see uh, uh, what's their knowledge level, their experience in the asset class that they, they cover, uh, and how do they work basically, uh, how does the value chain work basically from idea generation to the research, the portfolio construction and monitoring of it, who is doing what. Uh, where that value added comes from. So uh, a clearly thought process and its execution is also important. So people matter. The process matters. Mm -hmm. The execution of it matters. And then another thing is simply we also think that people, uh, the firm where people work is important because you have to have a conductive environment to be able to uh, build conviction and act on those convictions. If you have, if you're working in an environment that's constantly second guessing what you do, uh, we think it's uh, it's not important. So we we like all things equal, for instance, and this is something that goes with PICTECH. We like the owner operator model, meaning managers that own the business that they are working on, because in terms of uh, um, um, incentive incent, incentive, and, uh, and alignment of interest mm-hmm. that's the best model and this has this resonates a lot with PICTE clients because again the bank PICTE is run today managed by eight partners and run, run by those managers so the way they do business is very different from you know this Uh, anonymous uh, institutions that we might have so in a way we like that sort of engagement with the managers that we like Uh, it doesn't mean that we don't invest in um, uh, in big firms we Mm -hmm. do uh, because at the end of the day uh, it's the teams that matter but then again all things equal we like owner operators so we don't have a bias in our selection towards boutiques and uh, uh, management owned firms because that's in line with what PICTE is and the essence of PICTE. Mm -hmm.
0: Now, that's interesting, Musi. Thank you. Um, Also, as I mentioned at the beginning, another important element during the last years is ESG. 2021 has been variously described as the year of ESG investing. Um, Of course, uh, I do not expect uh, this way of investing in ESG funds to recede. Um, and given the societal importance uh, that now appears to be placed on ESG issues, we expect this growth trend to continue, of course, in 2022. So, could you say that ESG has changed the way you select funds? Is ESG fully integrated into your selection process? Uh,
1: yes. Uh, today I can say we have uh, a process that integrates fully uh, ESG. Mm-hmm. Um, we have intensely worked over the last few years um, to integrate those ESG considerations and spe- and more specifically to design uh, a robust methodology to do so. And we do have our own proprietary method and this is firm-wide uh, methodology so mm-hmm. our colleagues on the alternative asset management, uh, on PICTA alternative uh, advisors or PAM, PICTA asset management, we do not have the same view, a firm wide view, uh, in terms of how we evaluate uh, f- uh, managers uh, with regards to, to ESG. And uh, the, uh, the, fra- well, the, the process really uh, is framed or based on four main pillars. Uh, and it starts by sending out to every candidate fund manager uh, the questionnaire uh, that we have. We have a synthetic questionnaire uh, that addresses these four pillars. These four pillars are first and foremost, what's the firm, the asset manager that we are looking at? What's the f- its firm policy with regards to ESG? Is there really a commitment from a firm's uh, uh, standpoint to do the writing and to integrate these considerations top down. So we look at the policy, firm policy, and uh, is this policy uh, clear? Who is responsible for it? Uh, how is it? How long it's been in place? Um, and also, who is really responsible for to make sure that the policy is adhered to uh, throughout? The firm. So that's the, is the starting point. If there is no a clean indication from firm wide, um, then we think it's not uh, appropriate for this kind of considerations. That's why, by the way, at PICTE, we have also came up with a group wide um, approach uh, for the ESD consideration. So uh, firm policy is important, then policy in itself is, not, uh, is necessary but not sufficient. And we also make sure that the policy is adhered to and integrated in the yeah. investment process at every step of the value chain. Yeah. So we spend a lot of time understanding how this in- ESG integration has been implemented for a given strategy, for a given uh, asset class, or for a given uh, firm and uh, we have a lot of questions that we ask um, to make sure that uh, there is there consistency between the idea generation the research the portfolio construction the the monitoring of it and the reporting uh, um, and how this policy is been implemented throughout that value chain as i mentioned uh, another third layer which is very important is also the firm's active ownership because we get we will give our clients money to these fund managers and they will be investing this uh, this um uh this money or or or, or this uh, uh fortune of our clients uh in um, to in third-party companies in companies and so on so we went to make sure that they also have this fiduciary duty vis-a-vis us and our clients uh Engaging the the, uh, uh, the companies that they invest in with this, with regard to ESG, and voting also on resolutions that that are relevant to this area. Mm-hmm. And how do they do it? Do they do it themselves? Do they have a policy? Do they dis- do they delegate this to somebody else? If so, uh, what's the, the the guidelines that they would give, and how this is translates in terms of uh, uh, the engagement that comes along with it. And last point, but not least, is reporting, both reporting vis-à-vis us, investors in the fund, but also reporting onto the engagement that they do uh, vis-à-vis the the investing company. So we want to make sure that they do what they say and uh, say what they do. And we want to see a a proof of it in terms of reporting, regular reporting, and what they have done so. So, these are the four main pillars that we use, and we have uh, a lot of uh, uh, mm-hmm. criteria that we evaluate, both qualitative and quantitative. And, and this helps us to create our own rating. Uh, so, this is a proprietary picture rating that we give managers, a fund manager. Um, so, now, for instance, since la- uh, uh, last year, we do have this. SFDR classification, but the process that I mentioned had started before. So we were doing this even before SFDR became mandatory and managers were classifying their funds. So what we do now is simply we have our own waiting and we make sure that it's consistent or the SFDR classification that the managers give us is consistent with what we uh, evaluate so you know uh, and this is not always the case by the way mm-hmm. we have we have had a number of uh, occasions whereby a manager would say uh, this is an eight and when we do our own rating or, or or through our own rating we think it's not it doesn't deserve that rating so we keep our rating it's the most important for us but uh, at the same time we also look at what the manager says that they uh, th- how they are classified Um so at any rate, we don't rely by SFDR, but uh, uh, we make sure that our ratings or, or the SFDR is consistent with our rating.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, no, the to be honest, the truth here is that of course ESG is, is an important topic, and I think that every or most of the investors now and are trying to apply ESG into into their portfolio. So it's important how to integrate ESG into into this. So well, Mercy. On on top of that, I would like to know more about Pictet. So, how is Pictet's uh, scorecard applied?
1: Uh, so, uh, when you talk about scorecard, Pictet is um, uh, a big firm. Uh, mm. So, you have um, Pictet Asset Management, which is the uh, institutional money management fir- uh, branch of the firm. Uh, so. Picta asset management they do invest directly in companies so they do have their own uh well, consistent with the the, the methodology that I, I mentioned but they are the waiting that they do is a company level scorecard okay so I, i'm not going to talk about that because that's um mm-hmm. uh, another business i'm going to talk about the scorecard that we give at peter wealth management and more specifically the scorecard that we give fund managers and for the funds that we have in the approval list. Mm-hmm. So, as I said before, that scorecard is based on four pillars. Uh, um, the asset manager, firms, ESG uh, policy, the integration of that policy in the investment process, the active ownership or engagement that these managers do vis-a-vis the, uh, the companies, and lastly, the reporting. Uh, By the way, PICTA Asset Management is also one of the um, uh, asset managers that we use on the wealth management side. Uh, So they also go through the same evaluation process like every other firm, asset management firm. So uh, we do have also a scorecard for each PICTA fund that we use in our wealth management client portfolio management uh, portfolios. So mm-hmm. everybody goes through the same process as far as we are concerned. And this scorecard is, goes from zero to five or from one to five, mm-hmm. five being yep. the best, the most integrated. And then or, or even beyond integration, five is really uh, positive impact uh, 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 it's a type of uh, approach, what you, you would call SFBR article nine. And then we have uh, on the other extreme, uh, we don't have a firm that's zero today for now, but we have firms that are around one, 1.5. And these are really those firms doing minimum in terms of ESG integration today. Mm -hmm. Uh, So each and uh, today, we don't have more than 100 funds in our uh, approved active uh, funds uh, approved in our list. And for each of these funds, we don't have waiting. Uh, so, we know if they are weighted um, four, three, two, five, one, we know that. And then in parallel, we do have also the managers there on the SFBR classification. So, basically, um, if a, a fund says uh, they are Article 9, we expect from our weighting they, they have to be on, on the four and five level. Um, otherwise, uh, we think they are not they are not yet there um, and um, you know, so we have also mechanism of verifying that i don't know if uh, this is what he uh, uh this gives you a hint at least on what we do
0: um, thank you, Musi. And uh, last but certainly not least, um, also, well, we are close to the end, so I would like to to squeeze in uh, maybe this question. Um, so, yes, I was saying, uh, may you describe your responsible investment portfolio? Also, I think it would be great if you could tell us um, what is your biggest challenge uh, when, when selecting funds at Pictet. Yeah.
1: yeah. So, with regard to our... Um, uh, responsible investment mandate, which is called uh, MARI Portfolio, Multi-Asset Responsible Investing Portfolio. Uh, and we have been managing this uh, this fund for quite some time now. And the reason why we developed also the uh, proprietary waiting for funds is simply because uh, back then there was no SSVR to rely on or uh, there was no meaningful third-party uh, evaluation, So we had to create that ourselves so that when we use a given fund in our portfolio, in this uh, responsible investment portfolio, it was consistent with what we want to achieve. So that portfolio is really follows the same uh, strategic and tactical asset allocation of the rest of the portfolio, where the difference comes is simply into how we implement those decisions and the instruments that we use to implement that portfolio. Uh, so basically, we want to make sure that uh, the bulk, uh, and this is at least 70% of the assets that we have or, or the, the, the instruments that we use in this uh, responsible investment portfolio are consistent with the ESG uh, uh, rating that we want. So for instance, uh, we want to have, uh, to give you an equivalent, uh, uh, we want to have at least 70% of the underlying instruments being Article uh, 8 or 9. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, uh, but we look at the equivalence, if you will, in terms of waiting for that. Uh, as I said before, sometimes managers tend to be conservative, they say they are Article 6. But when we do our analysis, they do a tremendous job, and they could pretend they could uh, easily graduate to Article Eight. And we engage them to tell them, you know what? We have looked into our, your strategy. We have done. Why? Why? Do, why have you classified this fund Article Six? And then we explain to them uh, the things that we do. And some of them have uh, have already started upgrading their funds because again, uh, the way. Uh, sfdr is an auto classification so what you have is simply some firms tend to be very conservative in the way they do it and others Mm -hmm. tend to be you know a little bit more aggressive so in a way for us it's important to have an independent evaluation methodology and that helps us also use for instance funds which might be article 6 per se but then through our classification they have higher rating and it's a matter of time before they graduate into into article uh, uh article eight uh, so basically that's why we want to make sure everything that goes in that portfolio in that in that uh, mandate has to have uh, uh this uh highest ranking possible that we can we we, we we demand from from managers um and we do this also we have started also doing the same thing for etfs but it's more challenging today because again etfs uh, the way they are constructed is based on the indices. So basically, we have to do uh, terminus work on the indices level. Uh, and then uh, we will make sure that this, uh, the same rating will be applied also on the ETF level. Mm-hmm. We have started this job, we haven't terminated it. But at least for those ETFs that we use in this, in this uh, mandate, we make mm-hmm. sure that they are uh, consistent with the, uh, uh, with the uh, uh, responsible investment mandate. Mm -hmm. Um, And you asked about the challenge that we have in selection. Let me delve a little bit about the MARI portfolio or the responsible investment. We have a challenge today now finding uh, responsible investment vehicles in the sovereign bond space, for instance, because it requires a specific methodology. And uh, we are working on it for now. That's one area where we we have challenged finding the right products. Uh, And some other, maybe atypical asset classes would be uh, real estate with the case, but we have found one now. We have a couple of uh, funds now uh, that we have approved, uh, which are uh, Article 8. So uh, that challenge has been lifted. Uh, But to to speak more specifically about about the fund selection is simply um, um, the universe uh, over the last... Ten years, I would say, since the the, the financial crisis, um, macro factors have been driving markets mostly, and you could you can see this because uh, if you look at the U.S. market, for instance, which is very challenging for active management, uh, the uh, while the U.S. market has performed very well over the last ten years, uh, and more specifically over the last five years, uh, the What's driving that performance has been very narrow segment of the U.S. equity market, uh, especially the big tech names uh, have been driving and innovation linked uh, um, companies have been driving that, that that performance to give you a sense. And this is a, a, an important, it has an important implication for active management uh, today. The U.S. equity market, especially in the large cap space, meaning those managers tracking the S&P 500, the number of managers outperforming that index on a consistent level, especially over five years, is very low. And that's because uh, the market leadership has been very narrow. I will give you an example. To be the best equity manager in the U.S. over the last five years, uh, five years uh, uh, until the end of the. uh, 2021 over five year only uh, you, you inv- if you invested 90 percent of your assets or your fund in a passive portfolio and for the 10 percent of your portfolio you invest two percent each in the fund names this is facebook or meta amazon apple netflix and google you invest two percent in those funds so you have 90 percent in in passive S&P tracker and 10% invested in these five stocks, you would have been the best equity manager in the U.S. over five years, outperforming not only every manager in that space, but the S&P 500 by almost 350 basis points per annum. So that tells you how concentrated market leadership was over the last five years. So in a way, in such an environment for active managers, it's very difficult, active managers need a dispersion within the the universe. Good, uh, some companies p- doing better, and worse companies doing bad badly. Uh, but the more concentration you have in terms of market leadership, the harder it gets for for active management. So the U.S. market has been very challenging to fight. Good, consistent active managers but it's not that the managers are bad it's not that simply the market leadership over the last five years have changed and macro factors played a significant role in it
0: Mm -hmm. amazing Missy. um well thank you for for sharing your your experience on on how your selection process has changed over the last few years um well also my dear listeners this podcast has come to an end thank you very much Missy. it has been amazing to ha- to have a chat with you, and yes, I always say I hope that these really interesting discussions get growing, on and we we'll look forward to the upcoming talks with more fancy lectures. Thank you so much, everyone, and thank you, mercy
1: Great, thank thank you, Carla. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you.